You see, we have six, uh, we have six, you see. First you have one, and that's, and then there's two, and then by the time you get to five, it's a, I feel like I've got some new options now. You say that as if it were a bad thing. If kisses could kill, that one would have flattened several small towns. Hello and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 watchcast hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who have gotten to know each other while rewatching a favorite show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafer. And I'm Laura. And today, Laura, I get to ask you, what do you want? You still haven't answered my question, Ambassador. What do you want? Well, what do you mean, what do I want? What do you want? Do you really want to know what I want? Do you really want to know the truth? Come on, I really, really, really want a zig a zig. Does that answer your question? Well, you know, as a pregnant person entering their third trimester, I don't have a lot of grand and glorious wants anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like an uninterrupted night of sleep, which I probably won't get for another year or two. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like being able to go an hour without having to get up and go to the restroom. Those are the kind of things that I'm, you know, that's the kind of the place I'm at. <laughs> but, you know, something a little more interesting is I've been wanting to cook a lot more. I don't know if that's sort of like a nesting thing. You know, I, I'm not a cleaning person. So maybe my like nature tendencies are manifesting themselves as I want to cook and eat and you know yeah do that kind of instinctual thing instead of tidy my space but we've been cooking a lot at home you know we we tend to eat out a lot at being two professionals who have full-time jobs and a child so we are trying yeah. not to do that as much but one of the things that I'm looking forward to making is Owen found a recipe that he really wants me to make for strawberry shortcakes mm -hmm. so I've never made shortcakes I'm curious as to how that's gonna go <laughs> You've got a lot of experience baking. I'm sure that's going to turn out fine. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things, like, from my childhood experiences baking, like, if you miss a step or you misread a line, sometimes you destroy the whole thing. Because it's science, right? Mm -hmm. It's a chemistry yeah. experiment. So it'll be a new chemistry experiment. And then I've been really into oatmeal cookies lately. Okay. I think oatmeal cookies actually are superior to chocolate chip cookies, of course. Oh, someone is so angry right now. I know. Someone is very angry. But <laughs> let me just say this. I don't do the oatmeal raisin. I do an oatmeal chocolate chip is what I do. Um, oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a good cookie. Yeah. I just don't like... I don't know. I feel like I had a lot of bad chocolate chip cookies when I was a kid. I don't know if <laughs> the chips were different back then or something... <laughs> You know, there were, maybe there were a lot of bad recipes being passed around between moms and stuff. I mean, real talk, most American chocolate is terrible. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, now I can buy the Ghirardelli chocolate chips. Yeah. Those are probably the highest quality American chocolate chip you can get. Yeah. But like a Nestle? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, no, that sounds good. No, oatmeal chocolate chip. I would try that cookie. I don't... I'm not big on cookies, I'm not big on sweets mm -hmm. in general. I've probably said this before. Yeah, and the breads and stuff. 
Well, just also just like in general consumption, I'm not too much into sweets. My favorite cookie is a snickerdoodle. Though. I saw a recipe for peanut butter chocolate chip, a peanut butter oatmeal chocolate chip, which is what mm-hmm. I want to try next. Peanut butter oatmeal chocolate chip. That's a lot of flavors in a single cookie. There's a lot of things in a cookie, but you know, when you're I'd... when you're pregnant, you just got to embrace it, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't say it with with vitriol. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you can balance those things and make an excellent cookie, balance those things and make an excellent cookie. I have the utmost faith in yours or any listener who wants to try it, their <laughs> skill. I believe in you. You'll do it. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I could make that cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Are you making any non-baking stuff? Like, is your dinner rotation? Yeah, we've gotten better at our dinner rotation, too. I've kind of hit that point again where my heartburn's gotten really bad. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. So we're throwing in a lot of, like, salad kits on the sides of things. Things that aren't going to offend my boy poor esophagus. <laughs> One of my favorite dinners is just to make a giant salad. Yeah. Just like I will make a giant salad for usually like Beth and I, you know, and just like no no bowls, just one giant bowl, two forks. <laughs> and I don't know if it's like I will I know that part of me kind of really deeply enjoys like the economy of dishes which is something that will come up later in this episode but just yeah it's i don't know just like you know the salad i always make my own dressing i don't think i have any salad dressing in my fridge dang not even ranch for all of you midwesterners who are about to gawk i've got some (laughs) barbecue sauce if you want to dip something in something yeah for sure (laughs) It's just, that's just like how I grew up. My dad cooked a lot when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. that was something he always prided himself on was like, I make really good salad dressings. And so I got taught a lot about making salad dressing as a kid and it just carries over. So I'll usually just like lettuce bed, veggies, fresh grind, some salt and pepper, a couple herby spices, usually some basil, some oregano, and then some extra virgin olive oil. And some balsamic vinegar. And that's like my yeah. standard. And I'll mm-hmm. occasionally juice half of a lemon and throw that on there too. Yeah. yeah. And just, nice little acid. Yeah. It's super basic, but it's very tasty. And probably, you know, pretty healthy too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love a good salad with a homemade dressing and like pecans and dried cherries and blue cheese. That's one mm. of my favorites. I'm not supposed to be having a lot of the soft cheeses right now, but yeah, eh, you know. It's all about reducing risk, not necessarily eliminating all your risks. So I'm going to give myself new cravings that I'll have to buy things for this next coming weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I'm just, I'm very humble right now. Not a lot of big ones. (laughs) It's fine. You don't know. It's not always about reaching for the stars. It's about getting through the week sometimes. Yes. Yes. And I think, you know, I got three months to get through. I'm going to do it. Going to do it great. And yeah. then we'll see what's next. <laughs> <laughs> but what's next for our episode, Jafar? We have season three, episode 12, Sick Transit Veer. Yeah. Can I tell you something about this title? Sure. I don't know if you looked this stuff up already, but I'm interested in Latin. You know, having been a classical singer, we do a lot mm-hmm. of singing in Latin, right? And then my husband actually took like several years of Latin. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah, because between the two of us, we have a lot of useful languages under our belt, and I say that very sarcastically. (laughs) 
But he told me that Seek Transit Veer is actually all Latin. So yes, it's thus passes the man. Veer is mm-hmm. man in Latin. And this is apparently probably a reference to Seek Transit Gloria Mundi, mm-hmm. which is a phrase from papal coronations. And it means thus passes the glory of the world. And so in, in the context of papal coronations, at least, it means that it's kind of said when the person who's being coronated is, you know, thus your old life is dying and the the thing the trappings of the world are dead now and you've moved on to a higher purpose. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hmm. I really hope that is an intentional reference because that really fits with the theme of this episode, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. I read JMS's notes actually talking about that. So oh, okay. <laughs> it is 100% an intentional reference. Yay! Yeah. Uh, we open on CNC in this episode, but we see the crew is no longer in the Earth Force uniforms. They got mm-hmm. snazzy button-ups with the B5 logo on their arms. Yeah, they're very 90s button-ups. Yeah. I'd love one of these. <laughs> <laughs> That's the uniform I want to see at conventions, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> if I saw one of these at a con, I'm walking out with it and walking yeah. into work on Monday wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> totally support that. But besides, that's not the only wardrobe change we have in this mm-hmm. intro, as Ivanova is no longer in anything. Yeah, she's having the naked dream, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is speechless and kind of like, what is going on? As they look at her, as she realizes and wakes from her bad dream right before her alarm goes off. And this is just the fucking worst. Yeah, it really is. This happens to me habitually. Yeah. If I have an alarm set, I wake up five to ten minutes before that alarm. And it doesn't matter if I have changed like day to day. I could have a 7.30 and 8.30 a not whatever 6 30 doesn't matter when my alarm is set uh-huh. i wake up five to ten minutes before that alarm every time yeah that would cause me to do a lot of snoozes which would be bad business <laughs> <laughs> I, we've talked about this before you don't you don't have a lot of dreams right that is correct i do not actively dream per se yeah i remember that i, I actually have had probably I've had more dreams in the last three weeks than I probably had in the last four or five months. That's very interesting. Which Have you had two. this dream? <laughs> no, I've never had this dream. Yeah, I, I've never had this dream either. I've had its, you know, cousin where I have forgotten that I am in a course and it's an 8 a.m. course. You know, I'm in, <laughs> in college, 8 a.m. course. I haven't been. At this point, I'm failing. And there's no way to drop the course. That's my recurring <laughs> That is a nightmare. nightmare. Yeah, yeah. I'm having a lot of dreams right now, Jafar. Apparently, yeah. this is a third trimester thing. That That's crazy. Like Some sort of hormone ramps up and you get a lot of vivid dreams. This and I've had some weird chemistry. ones. <laughs> oh, man. That sounds... I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of low-key jealous. Uh, but <laughs> given everything else that comes with it, I'm still willing to pass. I think my subconscious does a lot of processing in my sleep and it's just working overtime right now. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get, we'll get through it, but yeah, haven't had this dream, but I'm somebody out there who's listening has had this dream for, for sure. sure. 
yeah it's 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 one of the quintessential bad dreams it's... yeah speaking of bad dreams veer is uh on centauri prime huh yes yep veer is on centauri prime and veer gets told to stop taking notes from lando by the prime minister <laughs> <laughs> who then tells a really racist uncle joke, like it's Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, Grandma decided to have a glass of wine, and she's passed out. And Uncle Jim knows this is his one and only chance, because no, she's the only one who's going to call him out on his bullshit. So he leans in after misgendering your cousin, who totally didn't deserve that, but didn't say anything because Jim will be Jim is something your parents' generation has decided decades ago. And now we all just get to put up with it. And you know what? Fuck you, Uncle Jim. I'd send you home if you weren't halfway through that 30-pack of Bud Light you left on the back porch. Even the dog thinks you're a piece of shit, but maybe that's your attitude. Or maybe it's because you never let her out when you go back to grab another one of those goddamn Bud Lights. Stop drinking. You have to head home at some point. You know what? I'm just going to call you an Uber. No, I won't explain how those work or how to find the thing on the internet. You had your chance to learn computers 30 years ago. And maybe if you had, you never would have lost your career in sales. But eventually someone got tired of carrying your dead weight and i relate to them a lot right now i'm sure your siblings do too so why don't you move those 10 cans of bud light from the back porch to the front while you wait oh never mind the uber is here thank fuck jim goodbye forever humans can be a very depressing people so veer goes to a room his room and it's filled with angry narn yeah i feel like these angry narns who were the butt of the joke aren't really totally resolved in this episode i wonder what happened to them <laughs> I mean, we find the the premise is that Veer is smuggling Narn off Centauri Prime mm-hmm, um, under mm-hmm. the guise of sending them to work camp. So presumably this is who's waiting for their ticket out right now. Yeah. Why uh, they would be in his room does not make any sense to me. Yeah, he's doing this in the royal palace. <laughs> that It's absurd. <laughs> it's gutsy as hell. <laughs> oh. It's bravado. Yes. Bravado personified to do this yeah. in the in the the centaurum in the in the Emperor's yeah. Palace. Fantastic. Good for you, Veer. And that's our, you know, butt of a joke to theme. We come back with Sheridan and Ivanova talking about bad dreams over breakfast. He tells her it'll pass, just all the change as her subconscious being uneasy. Hey, that feels familiar. I think he's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Peter Jurassic goes for the Emmy when fighting an insect after this. Oh my gosh. I love this acting. I love it. <laughs> he has the Emmy of my heart. Right. He gets it with a sword. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you from experience, this is very impractical. Yes. You need something wide and flat, not skinny and flat. Exactly. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I have had a thing where I was trying to get a bug and the only thing I had around me was a sword. And it is needlessly difficult. It is the mm-hmm. wrong tool for the job, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Someone arrives and asks for him, asks for mm-hmm. Veer, and he gets really creepy really quick. Yes. <laughs> we see Veer arrive at Space TSA with no one to greet him. Londo's not there. No, Londo's not there. He's, he's upset by this. Yeah. His feelings are hurt. They should be. Yeah, your your buddy always comes to pick you up, and he's not there. Before we find out why he's not there, Sheridan and Delenn are talking about recent events. Mm-hmm. Sheridan kind of tells us that Babylon 5 is being shunted to the side because of other problems. But you know what? This is a great time for us to get some non-Earth-centric episodes in. 
<laughs> yeah. Let's have some other episodes of Babylon 5. <laughs> As they're talking, he asks her out to dinner. Yep, a dinner date, and she accepts. Veer makes it to Londo's quarters, and they uh, catch up. He does say nothing interesting back home and looks very guilty as he says it. <laughs> and Lando's like, oh, well, I've got a, a surprise for you. It's your wife. My wife. Yeah, apparently no one has called Veer to tell him that there are plans in the works. <laughs> <laughs> His marriage has been arranged and no one thought it was important to tell him. Yeah, this seems very Centauri. This seems to track, right? Yeah. We're introduced to Lindisty here. Viewer confesses that he wants to marry for love. And she's Aww. just like, oh, oh, you're one of those. <laughs> I think, does she say a radical? I think she does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she calls him a radical. That's what it was. And she doesn't even know the half of it. <laughs> but yeah, he's he got some ideas from those Centauri back in, was that season one? When we had yes. the young couple? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he saw that as something beautiful. Zach comes up to C&C, also in his new uniform after this. Mm-hmm. The the giant leather shoulder thing running down yeah. the front. I guess it's supposed to be kind of armory, armor-esque perhaps. Yeah, uh, like a, it looks sort of ridiculous. Like a, sort of like bulletproof vest invoking ideas. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if this jacket really fits better. I wonder how he feels about that. <laughs> we'll find out. We know that's important to Zach. <laughs> but uh, he needs to talk to Ivanova because there's some Narns traveling with paperwork from Abrahamo Lincolnoli. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <Just> brilliant. <laughs> I mean, at this point of the Centauri that we know, I think the only one that could possibly have come up with this name because they would have interest in another race's culture mm-hmm. is Mr. Veer, right? Yeah. But it's also the kind of thing that a Centauri would read and probably go, sounds important, never heard of them, and move on with their day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's, it's, it's he's perfect. picked one that no one else is going to know because they don't care mm-hmm. about other cultures' history. And yeah, he's made it fancy. It sounds important. Yeah, it's so good. It's such a good Centauri name. <laughs> Fake mm-hmm. Centauri name. Yep, yep. After this, we cut to Veer and Lindisty walking through the gardens, and she is laying down some mad game on Veer. <laughs> this girl is good. <laughs> <laughs> she knows what she wants, and she knows what she needs to say to get it. She is there for it, and if she wasn't a terrible piece of shit, I would mm-hmm. be celebrating her for this play here. But we do find out she is a terrible piece of shit before the end yeah. of the episode. So this this attitude from a girl is exactly what Veer needs for a relationship, mm-hmm. right? He needs to be told what to do. <laughs> yeah. He just needs one who's not a giant racist. <laughs> <laughs> he is He's awkward at first, but eventually falls for her charms. Mm-hmm. After this, Veer meets with Ivanova, who had called because she's calling him out, and he explains his Schindler-esque plan. So he's faked this person who is trying to shuttle Narns off of Homeworld mm-hmm. and get them into work camps, which is, you know, better than being dead, 
better than being on a presumably bombed out planet with not a lot of resources. He's just trying to get people away. So yeah. sort of a, an underground railroad Schindler sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, we don't get all the details yet. So Vanova is not going to press it with Veer, but also yeah. isn't 100% bought in at this point. Yeah, she's a skeptic. She's a yeah. skeptic with the best of them. Yeah, we cut over to Sheridan, who is not a good cook. Yeah. He clearly has never done dishes in his life. He's someone who cooks like mm. they have never cleaned a kitchen. I know people I... like this. I'm not going to name mm. names. Uh, someone listening to this is laughing right now. Someone <laughs> in my personal life who's listening to this podcast is laughing. But it is just absurd. This kitchen yes. is absolutely destroyed. He is more mess than he has kitchen. It's literally hanging over the countertops, the mess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this drives me crazy. Like I'm the I'm trying to assess as I'm going through each step. Am I done with this bowl? Can it go in the dishwasher? Am I done mm-hmm. with this tool? Am I done with this this spice? Can I put it away? Like I'm cleaning as I'm going when I'm cooking. And a hundred percent. Oh, he's he's killing me. His pot, pan, and utensil economy is miserable. It's bad. Yeah. Which is why, like I said, I think the one salad. Two forks, one bowl. Love uh-huh. it, right? Like it's so, it is so perfect when it comes to that pot pan utensil economy. And this mm-hmm. is just a mess everywhere. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to claim to be an expert, but I'm pretty good at keeping things in one cooking source to two when I need to, when I have to cook things separately. And then also I do cook a lot of vegetarian and meat dishes at the same time Mm -hmm. so i'll like have the main pot going with like curry or whatever i'm doing and then i'll have like tofu in a small pan and meat in a small pan so that way i can kind of combine them at the end for whoever's eating so like i'm not i'm not without fault here like i'm not strictly a one pan kind of person because there is I understand the logic of that. I know people who cook like that. They refuse to cook Mm -hmm. if it's more than one pan. Yeah, yeah. But that's also like, that is not always the best choice from a culinary perspective. But this is just wrong. (laughs) I think Sheridan needs to go do a quick internship in the officer's mess because that breakfast that they were getting together Mm -hmm. in the morning when they were talking about nightmares and stuff, it actually looked pretty decent. So maybe he could get some tips from like a real cook (laughs) yeah yeah he's a putz he made flarn with carrots Mm -hmm. (laughs) it looked like he's made a sincere attempt at cooking her cuisine which is a very sweet thing for someone to try to do from the look on her face it's not great (laughs) yeah she gets sheridan to uh look away for a moment so she can use her secret watch hot sauce one blast should be enough to make caucasian food edible I feel like the scene is playing a little bit into some of those stereotypes that we loved back in the 90s about, you know, oh, men can't cook, women be shopping, like those stereotypes mm-hmm. that showed up a lot. You feel a little bad for poor Delyn having to eat this food, but <laughs> she she chokes it down because she's still very interested in him despite his lack of culinary skills. <laughs> in the hallway, a Narn comes after the murderer. And Veer engages uh, in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. He's got to protect his new woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sheridan leaves dinner to go to the rescue, which buys security team time to get there and summarily execute the Narn, 
in a show of police brutality. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I th- I think he had raised his weapon and whatever. This is how the show justifies these things. Um, yeah. Raised his weapon was ignoring the commands to put it down. But you can't tell me these PPGs don't have a sun setting, right? <laughs> they have to. I would hope. Yeah. That's how sci-fi works. <laughs> Lindesty is taking care of Veer. While Sheridan and Ivanova remind us about Narn Blood Oaths. Haven't heard about them in a little while. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ivanova warns Veer that another Narn on the station is likely to continue with another attack. Veer yeah. very awkwardly is like, hey, Commander. Uh, this scene. Oh, God. <laughs> so you know both about being a woman and pleasing a woman. And she's just like stops him mid sentence and is all like, "I have to call HR and file a complaint now." Uh-huh. No, no, actually, no, no. Claudia Christian just has to deal with this. And all the naked other... thing in the same episode. Uh, yeah. She actually really enjoyed filming the scene. I read the episode guide, and there was a bit of from her talking about it, and she really enjoyed doing this comedy bit with fear. Well, I'm sure Stephen First was hilarious to do this with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it it's very enjoyable to watch, so I can see why she had fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, we have six, you see. And so I, through his, like, stammering, do I take mm-hmm. it that you start with one? <laughs> In Yeah. It yeah. sounds like you start with one testicle is that what they were called testicle i don't remember <laughs> and work your way up to six thou shalt love the tentacle yeah uh, she does give some good advice though i will mm-hmm. say the advice she gives here is solid enthusiasm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. enthusiasm is the most important thing yeah for sure enthusiasm can take you very far <laughs> this is true this is the truth i would say up until it, it is an an avid substitute for skill for 90 percent of the experience presumably both of them don't have a ton of experience i don't know we we don't know lindesty's life yeah but yeah you I know. she is looking at veer with open eyes she yeah. knows what this man is about. <laughs> yeah. I mean they they are a hedonistic society, so I will not I will not shame No. Anyone? No, no, no. She seems very young is where I was getting at, but uh, that's fair. But she's also looking at Veer and she knows what he is and what he is about. <laughs> mm-hmm. She knows what to expect as she's walking into this, I think. For sure. I think you spend 5 minutes with Veer and you know what to expect there. But also a sincerity, compassion and humor are also part of Ivanova's mm-hmm. advice and crucial to any relationship, regardless of if it is sexual or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good advice, Ivanova. I think Veer will be just fine if he will just take a few breaths. Yeah. <laughs> Sheridan Delenn almost kiss. <laughs> I'm going to grab my action figures and make them just tap their heads together. I think I said now kiss. <laughs> I I think I've been doing that a lot. I've seen that this sh- this show kind of has set up several moments, and if mm-hmm. you were watching this in a sequence, you know, every week or something, you would be 
pushing those action figures together at this point. Yeah. You got to sell them somehow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure there weren't a lot of kids watching Babylon 5 buying action figures. <laughs> <laughs> if I'd had money. <laughs> Ivanova shows up at the wrong time and interrupts this kiss, though. I feel like this is not the first time this has happened. I mean, no, with Delenn, I mean, with, right. with Sheridan and Delenn, yes. But Ivanova has a tendency to get a hold of the captain at the wrong time. I feel that you should not be able to just... Well, the first time she like beamed herself in with the great machine, right? That yeah. was a, <laughs> that That is an overriding piece of equipment because that is an alien machine. But like, I feel like you shouldn't be able to just call Show your boss's quarters... Yeah, and like override him picking up. <laughs> Is it? I mean, it might be Sheridan's fault. Maybe he's got like auto answer on or something. Yeah, okay, okay. Or there could be, you know, an emergency code where you just mm -hmm. override it and show up, and she feels like this warrants that. But I would be having a talk with her about her, her judgment. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was anyone actively being killed? No. Just call. I'll still answer. <laughs> Let me pick up. Exactly. But uh, this emergency is everyone needs to go to Londo's quarters because of Veer. Mm -hmm. And Ivanova is just lighting a fire because she thinks Veer is having all of these Narn killed instead of relocated. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Narn attacker follows Lindesay to commercial. We come back from commercial and we're, we're arguing about all these dead Narns. And Londo is very unflattering for himself here and he's yeah. very proud of veer for these 2000 dead narns yeah he's all like oh you did the right th oh wait a minute you didn't kill them yeah veer can't take the pressure he really should not have admitted this in front of londo because you know how mm -hmm. londo feels but he can't take it and he blurts out that these narns aren't dead i didn't yep. kill them i disappeared them Saving women and children and elders to carry on the culture. and Yeah. He, they're all just dead because Veer faked their deaths because no one cares about a dead Narn. Right. Ugh. That still leaves this Narn who has been following Lindesty. Yes. But we see her meet with Veer first in the gardens. Mm -hmm. She's fine. She's yep. fine. And she outs herself as the racist piece of shit that she is. Yeah. She uh, takes him to where somehow she subdued this man. Mm-hmm. All on her own. And she's been trained to, to fight Narns. We find out she participated in, like, mass killings of Narns with her father. Mm-hmm. Yep. Her dad was stationed on Narn and just subdued the local populace. This is just fucking horror. This is just outright mm -hmm. horror. Now, I got to ask you about this actress, because this okay. entire episode, this actress has given me, and I, I want to be clear that I don't mean any offense to anyone here, uh, community theater actress vibes. Yeah, okay. I, I see that. She's got this very, like, big, wide-eyed. She's not subtle, right? Like, uh -huh. stage acting yes. and TV acting are very different. And stage acting is very exaggerated. And when you are not an experienced stage actor, you can overact the overacting. And it 
can be a lot and it kind of almost gives off a like childlike naivete yeah. mm-hmm. like like you're not feeling the emotions you are a sociopathic six-year-old who is faking the emotions because mm-hmm. you, your brain isn't developed enough to do the things yet I think that sociopathic six-year-old is like that nails it for the vibe she is giving off, right? Yeah. This whole time. And up until this point in the episode, I'm just like, oh, she's a bad actress. You know, like, it's fine, you know, better than I could do for sure. But I just like, oh, she's just like a community theater actress and she's just overacting everything. And then this scene hits and I'm just all like, oh, no, she's a professional. This has it's all cho- been that on was purpose a the entire yeah. time. It was a choice. Uh-huh. We She just gets this evil monologue. Like she's talking mm-hmm. about, oh, how the fires when their bodies would burn and stuff. And it's just fucking horrible. And she says yeah. it with this childlike glee. She doesn't understand what she's saying. You know, mm-hmm. she doesn't understand what the nature of these actions. They're just a thing that happens. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's so pretty. It's all and totally it's just... normal and fine because they're animals. Like, this is what you do with <sighs> animals, I guess. Yeah. This is where her acting comes together and it becomes coherent. It makes sense. It's horrifying. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. And it's supposed to be. Indeed. We get Londo covering up Veer's actions and has recalled him to Babylon 5. He is no longer stationed on Minbar. Yeah, he's being written back into the show. Yep. <laughs> yep. The other show got canceled. So, yeah. If years back, the marriage is postponed. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope. And back in CNC, Ivanova, knowing that Londo never found out about Abrahamo here, has mm-hmm. built out the profile a bit and is continuing to use the name to sanction paperwork to move Narn around in the background. Yeah. So, I know we, we talked about. We don't want to see a lot of direct Babylon 5 original callbacks from the hopeful reboot, knocking on wood, crossing mm-hmm. my fingers. I want this to come back just because I want to see a better, you know, today's computer compilation of <laughs> Abraham Lincoln because it's, you know, it's obviously one of Londo's like cast photos yeah. with a little bit of Sheridan's face mm-hmm. thrown into it, right? But I want to see what you do with today's computer to create Abraham Olinconi. <laughs> you know what I would have done if I was, and I don't mean like I would have done if I was in the art department. I mean like if I was a Vanova, uh-huh. the Mimbari sure. like full hair thing would have just been straight up on the head. So it kind of almost looked like a top hat. <laughs> yes. That would be a nice callback. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it to the reboot just for us. Right. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. This is a nice button on the episode that Abraham Lincoln is not dead and maybe he can still do some good somehow. Mm-hmm. I mean, Veer hasn't been totally cut off from all power. He's been stuck back under Londo's thumb, but we know how thorough Londo is with some of his work. <laughs> yeah. I think... Part of the implication, too, is if Ivanova's sending these orders out from Babylon 5 now and Veer's not mm-hmm. involved, that they might be, like, signed off from Londo without his knowledge. Yeah. I do enjoy that, too. Yeah. I don't think that any of the command staff would feel so bad about doing this to Londo at this point. 
Nope. Especially not after what Ivanova and Sheridan heard him say. Yeah. And then we wrap it all up with Veer trying to talk to Linda Stee, trying to say that he believes she can change. He still believes in her, and she believes the same thing about him. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're going to leave it. And hopefully we never see Linda Stee again. We don't. And we don't. Yeah. We don't. She Spoilers. never shows up again at all. Even in the books, the extended, done. Gone forever. Yeah. Veer ends up marrying someone very different in the books. Thank goodness. <laughs> okay, Jafir, tell me. How did you feel about this episode? On a scale of Babylon's 1 to Babylon's 5, I I don't know. It's a really good episode. Mm-hmm. It the the comedy bits are there and there's not there's not too much of it. I feel like a lot of the times when we've got a very serious episode, they like to throw a little comedy in for some levity. And most of mm-hmm. the time the comedy feels very off and kind of clashes with what they're trying to do seriously. And yeah. most of the time, I'm not a fan of that. I feel like I've said that a number of times when we've rated episodes where I feel like it's, if it were two separate episodes, it would be better episodes. Or if you yeah. combined different plots to do different things. This one, I think, really comes together, though. Because the the comedy stuff is directly pointed at Veer and mm-hmm. him being naive... <laughs> I think it plays with the rest of the story in a way that foils Lindesty's naivety about sentience. And it does make for a better overall story than I would normally. F- like, I could very easily see one of our listeners going, oh, well, I know how feels about this one because it's these two things clashing. And 99% of the time you were right. But I think these ones, this time it actually complements each other very well. So I'm. I'm going to give this a four out of five. Yeah, I think this is a four out of five for me, too. It's a strong up. We get a lot of really good bit of world building and veer. We get to see the Narn are not as completely lost as we might believe they are, given our limited perspective of them on Babylon 5. The comedy bits are fun. I could have done without Claudia Christensen having to do the naked scene in the beginning of the episode. That felt a little weird, but she thought it was funny. So cool. It's not like they, it's something, you know, it it was very clear that it was not something they forced her to do. It was something that she thought was funny. So cool. Right. I, yeah, I could do without that too, personally, but I think that this is such a beautiful episode, the way it comes together for Veer. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a big sucker for whenever we get like more supporting character focused episodes in general. Um, and Fear is just a doll. He's still he's a delight. And it's nice to see how he's growing because, you know, we've had it hinted to that one mm-hmm. of you will be emperor after the other. And, you know, the implication is it's going to be Veer will be an emperor after Londo. And at that point, in the series, you could be kind of wondering, like, how is Veer going to get to this sort of position of power? How is this meek, you know, bumbling little fool going to become that, the the highest ranked Centauri? Yeah. And now we're getting a shade of that. Like, we're getting a shade of him coming into his own. He's remembered and taken to heart that conversation he had with Jakar when he tried to apologize and Jakar 
would not have it. You mm-hmm. know, he said dead, dead, dead over and over again. And he's internalized it and he's done something really important with that. And he's built something really impactful on those Narn. So I, I just think it's beautiful. I love how it came together. I love the turn we get when we find out Linda C is crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for lack of a better word. I, I'm a four out of five on this episode. This is where we've started. We're starting to ramp up and get some really good ones. All right. Well, next week we have a divisive episode for the Babylon 5 community. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Do tell. I think most people hate this next episode kind of famously. Okay. What does your description say from Voodoo? I actually got this from HBO Max still because I took okay. notes on the 24th before it went off the air. Oh, okay. But the, the Voodoo descriptions and the HBO Max descriptions are the same. Uh, okay. So I've got Sheridan urges the planetary leaders to ratify the peacekeeping Babylon Treaty. A mysterious traveler claims to be the legendary King Arthur. It's season three, episode 13, a late delivery from Avalon. Yes. Well, I won't spoil how I feel about it, but that sounds like it's going to be a lot next time. (laughs) Yeah. But until then, we would like to thank a handful of people. Thank you, Jeremy Siegel, for our lovely theme music. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. And thank you to Angry Deck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Thanks, Aaron, our editor, for editing our podcast and ensuring that it gets out there without me having to do anything besides talk for an hour every day, every once a week. (laughs) Appreciate it. Um, And usually on time. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks, uh, everyone, for participating in our community. We've got an awesome Discord where people are talking most days about all kinds of stuff about Babylon 5. We have a Twitter that I ignore because I don't like Twitter. And we have a Facebook that I don't ignore, but no one uses. So, (laughs) But we also have an email if you're not into any of those things. (laughs) We do have an email. I forgot. Well, we'd love to have some email if you have any. <laughs> yeah. Send us an email for our next mailbag segment. Who are you? B5 at gmail.com. I'll see you next week, Internet. Bye.